Hello and welcome to Crackpot Theories, the podcast where everything is plausible until proven otherwise. I'm Sinead and I have a really amazing guest. I know I say this all the time, but I mean, my guests have always been really amazing and this week is no exception. We have Mr. Jeffrey Golden. Hello there, Sinead. Pleasure. Okay, so... It's, it would take me a long time to list the amount of accomplishments that you have behind your name. So I'm not even going to try. Could you maybe introduce yourselves to our viewers in a much more efficient way than I could manage? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Jeffrey. I'm a game writer and narrative designer. Um, some of my games include uh, Sandship, Murder in the Alps, Fallen Legion Revenants, and uh, the Adventure Snack newsletter rpg and uh and you can hear me if you like podcasts if you like me on this podcast you can check me out on another podcast called worst movies ever played it's an actual play rpg podcast we we make up weird movies on the fly using a role-playing game system <laughs> and i do that with my two friends patrick and brent it's on the starburns network and is, um, is great crack i have to say Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, what you actually do isn't that dissimilar to what we're going to be doing here. It's a lot of kind of blind groping in the dark for things that make sense. Um, (laughs) It's so much. That is exactly exactly what video game writing is like. You have to basically tie together a lot of strange loose ends, all the, the artwork and the... The, the game design and the, the market, and you're just trying to put a story. It's like, okay, well, what, what narratively speaking, what is actually happening? What is actually <laughs> happening in front of the player's face right now? Yeah, it's it's um, it, it's amazing the thought that has to go into it, and I mean that obviously makes you the perfect guest for the, uh, this podcast. Um, but the topic that we're going to be talking about today um, was one that you picked. Uh, you expressed yeah. to me that you would be interested in speaking about this particular media franchise. And so tell me, what has been your history with the Muppets? Oh, uh, it's uh, the first. So what my first memory, my very first memory in life is we had the Muppet show on VHS cassettes. My dad would record them off of Canadian television. I lived in Buffalo, but it's it's basically Canada. We get Canadian <laughs> TV and Canadian bands come they would come to Buffalo to say that they were on a world tour. They like cross the Peace Bridge and then play in Buffalo. And so I remember I, I don't even remember I could have been maybe I was three years old or so for but I remember uh, going to the VHS shelf Picking out the Muppet Show tapes specifically, mm. dragging them, crawling them over to the VCR, putting them in the VCR, and pushing play. I my parents said that I understood the VCR better than they did uh, at <laughs> uh, at my age, and I have loved the Muppets ever since. I'm a huge fan. I, I collect various Muppet uh, memorabilia. I have I have. This is, though, uh, the show has only been, this is the first time now with Disney Plus that the entire show is available for streaming. Mm. And this is a big deal because they never released the fifth and final season on DVD. No, so they didn't. I'm, so I've so never, much. as much as I love the show, it's one of my favorite shows of all time, as much as I, I love the Muppets and everything they do, I've never actually seen all the episodes from first to last so i'm doing that with my partner right now we're watching them all um but yeah uh, to, to to say i'm a muppets fan is uh is would be an understatement good stuff i well i mean i i think it kind of speaks to like i'm a big fan of puppets in general including all the really weird um, Czech stop-motion animation puppets that um, you got to see in art college. Um, yes. Yeah, just there's something really mesmerizing about puppets. It's, it's like they're kind of halfway between the world of actual reality and animation. And it's, it's magical. There it is. There's something magical about the, the suspension of disbelief that is required. Like, once you... Once you give a little bit that the puppet 
is real, it's like a magic trick, and it's just it's unfolding before your eyes. It is puppetry is an incredible art form. I agree. It 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 totally is, and I mean, even saying you know saying that after a while you forget that the people operating the puppet are there. Even on the likes of Avenue Q, when you can actually see the people operating the puppet and voicing them, you forget that they're there. It's it it's, it is really magical. It's true. I actually had the pleasure of seeing uh, Avenue Q on Broadway, and uh, it, I can tell you it was an incredible experience. The the just, I mean, I love the show. I think it's very funny, but the but the seeing the puppetry live and the, with the sets, it, kind of, it was just uh, just something else. And then I, I actually had an interesting opportunity. A, an actor, so I, I was in a weird little theater show. I was sort of filling in for. Uh, there was an actor who couldn't do a part, so I filled in. But one of the people who was also working on it was a puppeteer on Avenue Q on Broadway. Oh, and so wow. my my part required me to operate a puppet. And so I actually got lessons on how to do it, uh, how to do it well from an Avenue Q uh, puppeteer, which I thought was really uh, special. It's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to have to stop the episode now because I'm just seething with jealousy. I, I don't think I can go on. <laughs> fair. Fair. Oh, that, that, that is completely fair. I would, I would understand that. Also, you're very graciously recording at like one in the morning your time, right? It's like it's 6 two. my time. And so you are, you are, there, if you also just get fully exhausted, that would be another good reason to stop the show, please, you know? Oh, no, it's fine. I'm a vampire. So this is actually my natural waking hours. And oh, that's good. I yeah. turn into a pumpkin. I turn into a literal pumpkin around midnight. <laughs> At that point, I, I, uh, I'm, a ve- I'm a true vegetable. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, so before we get um, too, too off uh, scale with the, um, the banter, we have to talk about what our actual theory is. Because when you sure. said that you wanted to talk about the Muppets, that meant I had to come up with a theory. So I did my usual thing. I watched a bunch of clips on YouTube and uh, found that one little detail that the rest of the theory comes from. It's always that one little thing. And that one little thing was that when I watched The Dark Crystal, the Skeksis sounded a lot like Gonzo. Mm -hmm. So my theory is The Dark Crystal is actually set thousands and thousands of years in the future after The Muppet Show. Yes, great. All, all of the creatures that you see in the land of Thra, those are the evolved form of Muppets. Right. They're all Absolutely. connected to at least one Muppet. It makes sense to me. Uh, it's something I've always, I've always said. Uh, no, I haven't. No, it's something <laughs> I've been recently uh, saying and thinking. And I real, I want to thank you uh, for picking this because I realized. I was so I rewatched the Dark Crystal in anticipation of, of this show, of doing being on the show. It's and a good experience. I, I realized that I either it, I had seen the Dark Crystal so long ago that I forgot it completely, or I'd never seen the original Dark Crystal. I watched a little bit of the Netflix show, mm. um, but uh, but I watched it and I was like, God, I don't remember any of this. Like. Labyrinth, I've seen a number of times. I, I've I've seen I love Labyrinth. I've seen it quite a bit, but I yeah I had no memory of the Dark Crystal. So uh, thank you. It was a great excuse to watch it, and uh, and then to think about uh, how th- this is how this could be Earth and how uh, these could be Muppets. I think it's it's a fascinating. <laughs> Beautiful. And um, so you're not going to try and debunk this theory at all. You're you're fully on board. No, I want to build it. I want to help you build this theory we're we're now there are there are some things that i think we'll need to discuss some major hurdles here but i i feel strong that working together we can climb over them we can build uh this theory into something uh truly uh meme inspirational that we could <laughs> We can get this going on the Muppet Wiki. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Um, okay, well, um, this is actually going to be quite similar to another episode that I did um, quite a while back in the podcast about um, The Witcher TV show. 
and to a lesser extent the Witcher video games because I I didn't play the video games because I'm terrible at video games um, but the TV show I also reasoned that that was in fact a post-apocalyptic future and I had all these like charts and uh, diagrams and stuff to prove that this was the case but I mean the main thing is that when you hold up a sort of medieval looking society and a post-apocalyptic future they do look relatively similar yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, and I, and I think we can see that. I mean, just you know, you 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 have the uh, Roman Empire, which was you know an established uh, you know civilization, and it crumbled, and it led to a, a medieval feudalism. So I, I think mm-hmm. that there's pre- there's precedent, there's real life precedent for that. Absolutely, and I mean, you see these documentaries as well when they document um, after you know mankind disappears for some reason or another how long it takes all of the buildings to degrade and just fall away into nothing and it's a surprisingly short amount of time everything just seems to get reclaimed by the earth and i think that plays a big part then in how the landscape in thra looks because all of the buildings they seem to almost if they're not made out of caves they're made out of trees some of them are carved directly out of crystal it's all very organic looking nothing looks like it was um made out of metal structures or anything but of course that's the first stuff that gets scavenged any civilization building on after the fall of man is going to have to come up with new ways of building so they build everything organically and yeah, it makes sense it makes sense to me I mean, the interesting thing is that Dark Crystal is that we within their universe, there's like a thousand year read, like there's several like thousand year resets. So it's possible, kind of like in Futurama, that you know our modern civilization collapsed, and then like new civilizations were built like over and over again, mm. and then just like it's been, and then it's just been thousands of years since the last one. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I did want to say, like, there is, um, you know, there is a whole history behind this. And there's, um, you know, archives. And then there's Augra as well, who appears to be a couple of thousand years old. And she says she's existed since the dawn of time. But can we really believe what she says? She seems very vague. You yeah, know? And it's, yeah, she seems boastful, too. Uh, definitely like an unreliable narrator and also Mm. like i mean again like beginning of time well like what is the beginning of time if there's no one okay is that like that could be several thousand years ago in her clock you know when all the dark crystal stuff started it's like Mm. it's like when when we think like if somebody says like i've been around since the beginning of time like you would say like oh, okay you're like a caveman or something like yeah. that so you're like right but but that not necessarily that you were there in were, the primordial goo right exactly that you were witnessing like you know fish getting you know feet and crawling onto land you know yeah so uh so these things these, these time measurements can be real i think can be relative i think augra might be telling the truth from her perspective yeah um but also might not be telling the truth. She's not a hundred percent. I mean, she's trustworthy, but not like a hunt, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. she's she's prone to being fairly dramatic. But you know, I do yeah. think that the the beginning of their time probably has a lot to do with the fact that there's now three suns instead of just the one. So obviously, some massive astrological event has happened. I still do think that Thra is Earth. But I think the introduction of two extra suns, and I'd say, you know, two of those suns aren't necessarily even suns. They're fragments of suns, and they might be reflecting light from the big sun. But that's obviously going to cause some massive problems on Earth. It's going to scorch the landscape until the landscape manages to adapt. And anything living on the surface of the planet is going to undergo huge changes. Um possibly even like radioactive mutations because of prolonged exposure to the sun. Uh, this is a thing that I learned from my favorite film of all time, Threads. Um, we, we've been meaning to get a bell so that we can ring it every time I mention Threads, but we haven't got around to it yet. But um, Threads taught me a lot about nuclear mutation and destruction. Um, great, great film. Much recommended if you want to be in a bad mood. Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I rarely do these days, but maybe uh, after I've been fully vaccinated for a while, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. Hey, I've got a theory on the three sons. Okay, please, yes. All right, hear me out. Okay. What if the three sons is the result of a scientific experiment gone awry oh. in, Muppet, in Muppet Labs? Dr. Bunsen Honeydew split the sun in three and by sh- somehow shot Beaker to the sun <laughs> with some kind of like sun splitter because maybe maybe it's like this would be good for like you get overly tan you know it's like they may be trying to like to like d- to like dampen the sun's power a little bit so you wouldn't get tan you wouldn't get uh, tan so quickly and so this was kind of a roundabout way of doing it and so yeah he's Bunsen Honeydew shoots Beaker into the sun with a special device that that blows up the sun into three smaller suns. Okay, I have a follow-on um, thought from that. Okay, right. Beaker is a Muppet, but he is also a beaker, and beakers are made of glass. Yes. Okay, glass, which, you know, calcified and turned in a certain way becomes crystal. Is Beaker okay. the dark crystal? Is so he, all right. So here's how we <laughs> Maybe do <not>. that. Here's <laughs> what I'm thinking. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> okay. Beaker. You. Beaker is shot into the sun by okay. Dr. Butts and Honeydew with some kind of device. The device blows up the sun to three parts, but the force of which, right? They put putting Beaker into the sun like calcifies Beaker. <laughs> into a crystal and Beaker is shot back to Earth with the power of the, that explosion, the force of that explosion is, sh- is shot back to Earth like a meteor and is and lands and that is yeah, the Beaker, Beaker is the physical the, the physical uh, crystal so to speak, the, the, that is the shell that, of what we know and, and also it caused like an extinction level event like million like like mil- <laughs> li- millions of lives died due to this happening but uh <laughs> but uh but yes i think absolutely okay yeah it's just the visual image of all of that was so easy to just to just plant in my brain i could see it all happening as you were describing it <laughs> oh <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, I mean, this is very in character for both of these characters to do this kind of nonsense. Bunsen was always on the verge of causing some sort of um, doomsday. So, yeah, I, I 100% buy that. Um, but then, of course, when we get into the aftermath of this, um, when humans die out, but there's also a possibility that humans... Um, because they have problems surviving in this new environment. Now, this new environment, I don't think, is as difficult for the Muppets and the monsters to survive. I think they've got some sort of inbuilt resistance to this. So there's a possibility that maybe not all the humans died, but maybe they had to um, intermarry, which is a nice way of saying that, but intermarry with some of the Muppets, and therefore you get some of the creatures that walk not like Muppets, so I know there was a big thing in the making of for the Dark Crystal where they said we don't want them walking like Muppets because this is a dead serious project. So they walk very human-like. You know, right. they don't bounce up and down the way the Muppets do. Could that be because of human DNA? It absolutely could be. Um, though it, it, this is absolutely plausible. But of course, over millions of years of evolution like thousands or millions of years of evolution like it's also possible that the muppets it you know just you know had to evolve to become faster you know smoother walkers uh, in order to avoid predators um you know it's uh so there's a lot of i think there's a lot of possibilities here of course interestingly enough within muppets there are human muppets you know Mm. so so, like, you know, could a could a Jen be a descendant of a Walter, for example, or a, or a Muppet newscaster, a Muppet newsman? Um, you know, I don't know. These are things to think. These are things to consider. Well, do you know, I had thought about that as well. Um, I think 
you know, for the Muppets, Muppets as a whole, that's their species. Um, right. But that also includes monsters that are a different subspecies within the species. And the ones that are, you know, they're supposed to be like animals, chickens, cows, um, Mr. Snuffleupagus is apparently supposed to be a mammoth. And they're the birds, all of the birds in that. I don't, th- I think, do you know when you look at a pack of lemurs, and you think, based on how they look, they look a bit like squirrels or a bit like raccoons. You'd think they might be some sort of rodent. But of course they're not. They're monkeys. You know? Yes. It's that kind I of a thing. I mean, they'll say that they're human and they look relatively human, but they are also noticeably different. So it's all that kind of one species and then plus a subspecies kind of a thing going on. Yeah, I, I, I think you're on the right track here. Um, you know, I see a lot of ways for this to happen, uh, whether, I I mean, this is, this is an interesting point too, like, okay, we, we know that Muppets, Muppets can, uh, we'll use your term, intermarry with each other. (laughs) Yeah. Like for, they can breed with each other. I mean, we've seen, for example, we've seen the offspring of Kermit and Piggy multiple times. Uh, at this point, like we know that they can, we, we have seen their babies. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, in, and of course, in outside of Muppets, frogs and pigs, you know, cannot uh, breed. So presumably what this means is that all Muppets are capable of breeding within themselves. Um, so this is another thing. Like there are some. There are some Muppets that do walk like humans. For example, the larger Muppet monsters. Mm. So, so for example, Sweetums, yeah. or, you know, or Throng, you know, because of course they're in their full body suit, so they're walking like humans. So, so there is also a possibility that, like a, th- you know, a Throg and a Walter mated and were able to produce, you know, human-looking offspring that were able to walk smooth more smoothly that i i see that as another possibility absolutely and i mean there's another thing with the gelflings in particular is that they have wings and this is where i brought in abby kadabi because yeah, abby kadabi has wings yeah i i no i think you can i think you can trace a, a pretty direct line what is the jet what is the what is her name in the dark crystal what is uh kira it's kira kira right it's, uh, I, I could definitely see a direct line between Abby Kadabi and Kira. Like, I, I look at the, I could just look at the two of them next to each other and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that could happen. Hmm. That, there's, that, that's, a, there's a direct correlation there, clearly. Yeah, and, I mean, it also extends beyond the Gelflings as well, because we have the Podlings, and I am convinced that the Podlings are direct descendants of the Swedish chef. Hmm. What's your, uh, give me, uh, yeah, what's the, what's the theory? What's the, okay. what, what's the reasoning? Okay, well, podlings, they look like potatoes, and they like to make a mess, uh, and they talk gibberish, and I feel a deep kinship, because I also look like a potato, and like to speak gibberish, and also <laughs> like to make a mess. Um, but in particular, it's the way that they are, I mean, hop in who is the main podling character in the Age of Resistance. And he uses a spoon as a weapon because he wants to become uh, a knight. Um, So, you know, podlings, they seem to like using cooking utensils as weapons. The Swedish chef liked to use weapons as cooking instruments. There's a direct line. The podlings speak kind of South Americans gibberish, I guess. The Swedish chef is... Vaguely Scandinavian gibberish, but they're both gibberish, and they. Well, and you know, again, we've got that. You know, we've got several thousands of years here to, Mm. you know, for things to for things generations to happen. Yeah, Um, I like it. I mean, all I'm thinking is that maybe I'm trying to think who I would cross breed. Like, maybe do you think the Swedish chef maybe bred with fraggles with a fraggle? I was going um, to go directly and say he bred with one of the living potatoes. Oh, okay. Like, what? Well, oh, I see. Like one of the food, like one of the talking foods. Yeah, that works. That works. That works for me. Yeah, they um, were already in the kitchen, so you know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's probably yes, the... we have no bananas. 
but we have Swedish chef mating with the potato. Uh, you say potato, I say the species must survive. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, you have brought down the tone of this uh, very dignified podcast and we must now leave. (laughs) Okay, well, just moving on. Well, you know, the Swedish chef is probably my favorite Muppet of all time, so I'm going to dwell on him just a little bit longer. But the whole thing where he just throws things around and makes a massive mess out of everything, that's just the podlings as a society. I think that this... The Swedish chef, even if they're not directly related to him, they probably do revere him as a god. Oh, no, I like, personally, uh, I want to go full in on uh, Swedish chef and potato. Uh, I, I, <laughs> you ship them? It just make. I don't think we need to, I don't think we need, I, I, I think it's just, I think you have laid out a perfect argument. It makes too much sense to me. There's, there's, it, there's too many uh, things for it to be a coincidence. It has to be this way. So, uh, so yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, um, well, mo- moving on from them. Um, Agra, who we briefly did discuss already. But Agra, I think, is probably related to a grouch. Because she sounds like one. Oh, she yeah. acts like one. Um, but I also think that it, she may be the end stage merging of all of the grouches into a concentrated grouch form yeah that makes sense there's also a bit of there, there it's there's a lot of grouch there's also a bit of uh of grover type energy in uh in agra you know um <laughs> so i could see something there i so definitely uh uh de- yeah definitely like uh yeah yeah, no, I like I like Grouch. I like Grouch. Uber Grouch. Let's go with that. Uber <laughs> yeah. Grouch. Yeah, let's go with that. And um, there is uh, a, there is also the little issue of um, her son, who appeared in the comics but not in the TV show or the film. She had a son called uh, what's her, either. It, what's her son like? It's either Rownip or Ronip. I'm not sure, but um, well, he's dead now. As a very dark story actually um, is that he was the one who came out against the Urskex back when Augur still did trust them and he's her adopted son because apparently he he arrived on Thra inside a meteorite like Superman okay. uh, but she took the rock and she sensed that it was alive and then she moulded it into her own image um, but he looks nothing like her so um, so maybe it, maybe that was an anything Muppet. The the you know that's the term that they give to Muppets who like could they're just like stock Muppets like background character Muppets. They could be any like they could be anything of any species or they could be monster or human or or whatever. You just kind of throw a wig on it and, and you put it out there. Um, so maybe yeah maybe that was the maybe that was like uh, an anything Muppet coming from space. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he, he does look not formless, but he does look like he's got characteristics of about five or six different Muppets all sort of thrown together. Um, and apparently he was a real like serious personality, came out against Eurskex, um, got badly injured and then left on some sort of a pilgrimage and then disappeared into the desert. Um all very grim so we won't focus too much on him but there was that little thing is that um you know agra being the way she was couldn't create life the natural way so she used almost she used her magical powers to create life herself but that does sound to me like it'd be um this is this is a really weird um analogy to make but you know the way like a deep sea siphonophore or a Portuguese man of war jellyfish is not one creature, but it's thousands of little creatures all stuck together, all doing one thing. Yeah. It's kind of but... like she's the more sentient version of that. So, you know, of course she's doing things that the rest of them can't do. And... Okay. So she's like hundreds of creatures in one. She's, it's, uh, and that's where the source of her power. I mean, one, one would wonder, though, like... Like, 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 I guess grouches, there are a whole, there is like a whole race of grouches 
So they must mate, but like, what is that like? Because they do they hate each other? Do they? Is it like a hate mate kind of thing? <laughs> like, I um, thought about it before, but it's like they must. Yeah, they must really. Res- do they resent one another actively? Like, even if they're partnered up, or is it the kind of thing where they just like they mate and then they just never speak speak of it again? I I think there's probably a correlation there between um, the way the Grouches are and the way that the Skeksis and the Mystics are in that they hate being separated, but they were the ones who separated themselves in the first place, that the Grouches are kind of like they're existing in a separate form and they don't know how to get back together. And then when they finally do get back together because of this um, astrological phenomenon, they're happy-ish. Like, they're still grouchy, but they're content as Agra, as one organism, maybe. Right. So I don't think they necessarily mate. I think that they just, they split, like, single-celled organisms. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. That's interesting. Right. And so this is the, 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 the grouches come together. Yeah, because I think they're aliens. You know, I don't think that they're a natural species that you find on Earth. I think they're like Gonzo, that they were never meant to be there in the first place. They just ended up there. Yeah, that's fair. Well, well, actually, well, don't they live in they live in Grouchland, right? Mm. So I mean that that's like a whole other dimension. It's not like Earth. It's not like Earth. No, it's a it's, settlement. It's yeah, it's some other that it's a portal into a whole other world. So and his trash can. So uh, so yeah, I think that that holds. Good. I'm 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 glad you think so. I think we're we're really connecting the dots here. Um, yeah, absolutely. But probably the most important thing to this theory is when we discuss, of course, um, the catalyst for the series, the Erskex and the Mystics. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's Gonzo's doing. Right. Right. So this is the this is the hardest. This is kind of the hardest one, and as I see it, I guess I guess you have to say an Ersex. Okay, they split. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how you get the Skeksis and the uh, the Mystics, right? Yeah. But so, so we already we know the origins of those two species. Now, granted, on their face, the 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 Skeksis absolutely it, Gonzo and Camilla, like there's yeah. just <laughs> no question. It's it's like clear as the giant beak on their faces. What happened here? They they look weird. They're they they're Gonzo regularly plays the villain and sketches and mm. it's it and you know that beak the the they it's definitely a combination of a Gonzo type alien and a chicken. It's yeah. There's no quest. There's no question. Um, but we 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 know their origins because uh because the dark crystal gives us that. So what do you think? Are you do you think that Gonzo and Camilla are somehow also related to the Ursex? Like how does that how does that lineage work? And then we haven't even talked about the Mystics, but we can we, we'll get to seem, them. They seem a little Snuffleupagusy to me, but um, but I'd be curious to hear your theories. Yeah, in temperament they're very like Snuffleupagus, but. Um, no, first of all, I think what happened is back when the astrological phenomenon that uh, caused all the havoc happened, I think Gonzo, because it has... Now, um, according to the official Muppets um, sources, the film where they they say that Gonzo is an alien is non-canon, but I think it probably is canon, and they're just saying that for the future, for future reference. Hold on a second. Yeah. Time out. Okay. Where... where... Where is the official source that says what is and isn't canon in the Muppets universe? I I need to know that information immediately because that is very important. I was having this conversation the other day with somebody, and here is this is my feeling about it. Okay. Um, in terms of the Muppets, nothing is canon. Mm. Literally. Nothing the Muppets do is canon in the way that we understand canon. The the only canon of the Muppets is that the Muppets are actors who play parts in television and movies. They are actors. 
So it would be like saying, what is the canon of Johnny Depp? Or like, what is the, like, there is no canon of Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is in the Pirates movies. The Pirates movies are canon within the Pirate, you know. Good point, uh, yeah. The Pirates universe. But there's no such thing like, like, I think if, if Kermit the Frog were here, and, and, and Sinead, I hope you're surprising me with a, with the special guest of Kermit the Frog who's <laughs> on here, who's going to clear some of this up. Um, uh, if Kermit the Frog were here, he would say uh, nothing that happened in the movies or television shows are real. They might be based on quote-unquote real things that happened to them, but, like, nothing is, like, real in their universe. They are just actors collecting residual checks they get scripts and they perform them in the same way that that a human actress would okay well um i i I wish i had known about this sooner because that would have saved me some time but i did do some digging around to figure out whether or not gonzo was actually considered to be an alien and um one of the sources that the most accurate source that i thought i had said that um Oh, well, the Gonzo film, that's just a film. He's not really an alien. But but he is an alien because he's not like the other monsters. He's not like the other Muppets. He's very unique to himself. Um, And, I mean, there is also his weird fixations with the birds. So, I, uh, you know, I would be coming down very um, firmly on the position that he is, in fact, an alien. Yeah, maybe he's still an actor, Uh, And he is, like, just picking up checks and, you know, he was in a film where they said he was an alien. But I do think that... This doesn't negate uh, what you're saying because because the Dark Crystal is a a fictional universe. And Gonzo is an alien within the fiction of Muppets, right? Oh, yeah. So so it all... I think it all works. Um, Yeah, I, I, I am on Muppet Wiki... Um, and I am trying to, I am, I am trying to get, uh, okay, I see what you're saying, okay, mm. let me, uh, let me, I'd like to read a little bit of the Muppet Wiki, if that's okay, for the benefit of our audience. Oh, please do. Um, this is a, by the way, I think the Muppet Wiki is one of the best wikis, it's just hands down, like, I'm a Muppets fan, so maybe I'm biased, but I think it's just a very well-maintained wiki, um, uh, okay, uh, Gonzo the Thing. Despite Muppets from Space's seemingly definitive answer as to what Gonzo is, the movie, as with any Muppet movie, leaves some room for interpretation. Interviews with Gonzo and Dave Goles, uh, his performer, uh, suggest that the events of Muppets from Space were just a movie, and his designation is still up in the air. Uh, At Muppet Fest 2001, Gonzo speaks about his origins. Uh, you know, when you're a new Gonzo, and you're a block of foam, and you're in the middle of it, they're just <laughs> rolling you around on the table. And then you hear some snipping, and you know you're in there, but they haven't gotten to you yet. And then you see a little bit of light, and then Jane nicks you. out, uh, A little off the tip of your nose. You can see it getting lighter and lighter. And then she's doing your nose... And you can see it. It's right in front of your eyes. And then you're born. So uh, so my take is that this, I think this affirms my theory that Gonzo is essentially an actor who is aware, as all Muppets are, that they are puppets. They have talked, they talk about it a lot. Like it's, it's this well-documented that Muppets know that they are puppets. So I, I think that they are actors. But anyway, this is a, this is a side note because uh, we're talking about the Dark Crystal canon and uh, and the Muppets from Space canon could very well tie into that. So Ah, so. yeah, good point. Uh, I, I, I think we, we ventured really far into the looking glass that time. And <laughs> it all got very, very meta. But I mean, even the description of him, him being born, him describing being born, even that sounds like very alien-esque to me. But yeah, if we're going from the perspective that Gonzo is an alien and that he tried to crossbreed with a chicken. Now, I do think that himself and Camilla, they left Earth um, and went possibly went back to Gonzo's home planet or to another planet. But the problem is that uh, just like in real life, 
when two creatures that are similar-ish try to breed, their offspring usually ends up being sterile. So you see that in the case of uh, mules, you see it in the case of ligers, things like that. They're close enough so that they can breed, but their offspring almost always turns out to be sterile. So when Camilla and Gonzo had children, they had the Uruskex, and they're sterile. They're incapable of creating life, but because they've got alien DNA mixed with um, Muppet DNA, they have an unnaturally long life. So they've got the best of both worlds. But then the problem is, um, I think that a part of Gonzo's personality really imprinted itself onto the Urskex because trying to shatter the dark crystal, or well, it was just an actual crystal at that point, trying to shatter it just for the crack. Um, you understand the the Irish term crack, don't you? Just, just double checking. Uh, uh, uh... No, uh, please, uh, please enlighten me. Okay, yeah. So, um, crack when we say it is, spe- is spelled C R A I C, and it's the shortened version of the Irish word crackena, uh, which means fun. So, if you're uh, doing something uh, for the crack, you're doing it just for the hell of it. You oh, know? I see. Living for the crack. Exactly. Yeah. When it, right. you know, you do stupid stuff for the crack. You know, oh, and if anybody great. asks you, you know, why did you break into Tesco and take all of the rum? You just, ah, I did it for the crack kind of thing. Um, right. um, this podcast will remind people that I do not break the law and have never considered breaking the law. Um, it's amazing how many times I have to say that on this podcast. But um, Oh, no. <laughs> well, listen, it never hurts to reaffirm. Never hurts to be for the, for the lawyers, for the lawyers' sake. Absolutely, yes. Um, Crackpot Theories does not endorse any kind of stealing stuff from Tesco, contract killing, extraterrestrial reproduction, or anything of the sort. Um, anyway, getting back to what we're talking about. So, um, sh- trying to shatter the crystal for the crack. That's a very Gonzo thing to do. Because Gonzo did a lot of things that didn't make a huge amount of sense on the show and in the films. You know, if you could imagine anybody doing anything for the crack, it would be Gonzo. Would you right. agree with me there? He did a lot of destructive, really nonsensical things. For yes, although not necessarily... Okay, well, well, yes, I agree with you 100%. But the Skeksis, the Skeksis, their, their motives are like... I don't think they're like similar to Gonzo's motives. Like, they're, they're much more arch. Like, although, well, you're talking about the Ursex, though, right? Yeah, it's the Ur- like, the Urskex. The Urskex decided to... Sp- the Urskex. Yeah. Yeah, to smash the... Cr- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yes, absolutely. They may have done it just for, for goofs. Get, you know, as like a stunt, you know, it's like they were they were decided to ride the crystal off of a, uh, uh, you know, off a building and into a lava pit or whatever. It's, a, you know, wee, you know, just yeah. to see if they could do it. Uh, yeah, that's very that's very Gonzo. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and then they 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 did it, and that uh, and, and that sort of split them into into two parts, like sort of a, a good natured part and a because there is because uh, I mean I don't know does, uh, I don't know that Gonzo Gonzo plays evil like he'll mm. he'll often he'll off he'll often play the villain and as I said in various sketches and stuff, but. He doesn't really, he's not really power hungry, but I, I guess, you know, there's a side of him that's just, that is like wanted destructive. And I guess that could be, you could argue that's what the Skeksis is. Cause there's, there's definitely a side of Gonzo that's very like wistful and that like, I think maps really well onto the mystics, uh, onto the mystics. But then again, you know, uh, maybe Camilla has, is more. You know, we're talking a lot about Gonzo, but if we're we're not talking about Camilla here, I was getting know, to her. Okay, good. So, so let's talk more about Camilla because I think she may be. Maybe she. There's something more uh, devious about her than we that we have previously that we have previously known. There's a lot of room to explore the character of Camilla for sure. A lot of sides to her. I think we we may not have seen. Absolutely. And I think even in the look of the mystics, I think they're more reminiscent of Camilla 
uh, because she does have that very soft rounded beak not like a typical chicken so right. they got that kind of very mix of the mammalian traits the gonzo has but also the real softened edges that uh, camilla had um, but I think what happened is that the Skeksis has got the worst characteristics of both of them and the, uh, the Mystics got the best. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah this, 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 this tracks. And also, like, by the way, just, I mean, just looking at the Mystics, I mean, they also have big noses. I mean, look, these, are both, these are both characters with big noses. They are, um, yes. You know, and that is both, I mean, if, you know, both, Camilla with her beak, and then Gonzo with his beak. Like you're definitely going to have some uh, some nose action here. And both of these these uh, these fantasy races do uh, come up big with noses. So they do. But funnily enough, now the Urskex actually don't seem to have a very prominent nose at all. But I'm thinking that maybe it turned inwards, or it's right. vestigial. It's somewhere on their body that we cannot see. Um, but there's one um, little thing kind of about, um, oh, that's the alarm that says we um, we should start finishing up now. But, you know, we're on this crazy train. So let's keep going until we get to the very end. Is that okay yes. with you? Um, that's fine with me. Okay, great. So I think with the, um, with the Skeksis, they're real hedonistic. Um, and that does cause them to act in ways that are self-destructive. You see, what their kind of their deal is, is that they're all very focused on kind of one thing. You've got the librarian, you've got the technician, you've got the um, the general, the hunter. Um, and then in the mystics, when they have their counterpart, their counterpart is also really wrapped up in themselves, but in a much calmer way. So it looks real benign, but in the book... They mentioned that the mystics are incredibly forgetful and they sort of lose themselves in their art, which is a very Clara-esque thing because Clara also tended to get a little bit lost in her art. Um, God, um, there was another point. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's also in the TV show, and I haven't brought this up yet, um, but the Skeksis and the mystic that live together in the desert because they managed to sort of reconcile the best of their nature in order to live together because they didn't want to be separated they wanted to be together so they made themselves a little hut in the desert and they stayed there and um, you know that's um i think that's probably is they got a lot of the really good traits of camilla and gonzo but when the skeksis and the mystics are apart they're at their worst it was right. when they come together they're at their best you know, the, harmo the harmony of Camilla and Gonzo's relationship is what caused them to have um, the Urskex in the first place and probably ended up making the Urskex so powerful because it was harmony. But then when they split themselves up for the crack, um, they just got the worst deal out of everything. Well, I say the worst deal out of everything, probably not as bad as the people that they drained um, in, in the film. Uh, but, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, yeah, they definitely. That that was actually kind of a creepier than creepier than death sort of thing of being drained of your essence. That's a really, this is really like this is a really dark idea. Mm. Um, the the uh, by the way, I'm just looking at some photos of Urskex. Um, they they do actually have pretty considerable noses. Uh, it's it's not as apparent with the puppets, but when you see them drawn. Uh, you can see that their noses are actually, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're quite big, um, at least for their, for the size of their faces. So, uh, anyway, something, something, something to consider. Yeah. No, that, that's grand. It's just every, every time I looked at, um, the comics in the comics, I actually didn't notice a nose. So I'm just wondering, am I, is there some massive detail that I missed there? Um, but yeah, that is basically my entire theory in a nutshell, and you've concurred with pretty much all of us. Yeah, do, do your guests often disagree with your theories? Um, sometimes they try. Sometimes um, things, they, they come in and they think that they're going to disagree with the theory, but I end up convincing them, and then I've successfully broken them so I can put them on my little trophy wall of people that I've broken. Uh, that's... <laughs> The thing I like about your theories is they're not just grounded in the lore of the specific worlds, but they're also grounded in, like, real-life science and, 
and uh, history. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel uh, very good about co-signing this theory that uh, Dark Crystal is meant to be the uh, thousands of years in the future evolution of the Muppets. Uh, in the same, you know, it's sort of like Adventure Time in that way. It's a sort mm. of a Land of Ooh situation where we're seeing, you know, what would happen to these, uh, to this, to this species, uh, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years in the future. And this seems uh, perfectly plausible to me. Beautiful. Well, do you know what? That is a fantastic note to end the episode on. Thank you so much for being here and for being so accommodating. Oh, it was my pleasure. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This, this was a lot of fun. And I would like to remind all of our listeners that they should really go and check out Adventure Snack. Um, do you have a, a... It's just adventuresnack.com, isn't it? Oh, yeah, adventuresnack.com. Uh, I send tiny uh, choose-your-path adventure games uh, directly to my subscribers via email. And uh, they can get it. It's a free thing. I do it twice a month, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It, it's uh, adventuresnack.com. You can sign up for free. I do different genres and things, kind of like your podcast, how you'll tackle different types of fiction. I, I, I like to do different genres, so we've done uh, fantasy games, sci-fi games, uh, you know, action adventure games, superhero games, but always with a kind of fun and, and silly sensibility. Absolutely. One of so, your latest ones had something about a haunted air and Airbnb. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you you uh, you rent an Airbnb in for a, a desert weekend getaway, and uh, you come in and it is full of hot dog eating ghosts. They're they're having a hot dog eating contest, and the thing is, you don't want to be disturbed. You want peace and quiet, but they're not making any noise. But they're definitely all over the place, like eating hot dogs and it's super gross. So you kind of have to decide like what you're going to do if you're going to try to confront them, if you're just going to try to leave it be. Um, but it puts you as the, the player in the driver's seat to decide what you want to do. Uh, be- beautiful. You are really doing your bit to keep us all amused during um, this incredibly long and tedious lockdown. Oh, thank you. That, that I, I aim to amuse. <laughs> Well, this has been another crackpot theory. Uh, I have been Sinead, he has been Jeffrey Golden, and he has been absolutely wonderful to put up with this nonsense. Uh, The truth is out there, and it's a lot stranger than you ever thought. Goodbye.